Okay, so we are live everywhere. Apologies, everyone, both in person and online. As you can see, technical stuff is issues uh, about. But we got there in the end. Uh, anyway, I'm glad to say hello. Welcome to our first in-person event. I'll collaborate with Brunel's Environment Science Society. But we're also in the spirit of International Women's Day, celebrating, um, yeah, yes, being a woman and the different career paths and all the different things that you can do. Um, could we have the next slide, please? Thank you. Um, so yeah, so for anyone in person, uh, if you could just quickly scan this QR code, it just basically means that your cable and stuff being like recorded and you don't have like an issue with that. If you do, then I think there's an option to say no. Um, just let me know. But yeah, that's basically you guys. So yeah, I'm seeing that everyone's done it. So um, if you could have the next slide, please. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bit of a mix around. Um, so for the people in um, person, they've already had their networking bit. But we're going to go, I'm just going to do a really brief speech, um, and then we're just going to get straight into the Q&A, and then do some networking. Um, if you're on campus, there will be like pizza, and crisps, and uh, caprissons, and yeah, loads of stuff. So uh, yeah, if you're on campus, come through uh, Eastern Gateway 003A. Um, yeah, next slide, please. Um, so yeah, so I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, for those you might not know, pick up the mic. Whether you've seen a post, you've seen an episode, we bring on a wide range of guest speakers and they all talk about amazing things. Um, we thought it would be best to bring these guest speakers together uh, and have a live podcast session. Uh, can we have the next slide, please? As I always say, I hate doing introductions to people because I'll never do them justice. So instead, I have got an amazing slide that talks about all the different people that will be talking today. Got amazing hosts, got amazing guest speakers. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, if we could have the next slide, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, so yeah, so I'm going to hand over to our host. Uh, we will start the event. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching or attending. Uh, and yeah, let's get started. Cool. <laughs> um, so hello, everyone. Thank you for coming today. Um, thank you, obviously, so much for being here. Uh, it's great to see so many strong women in the same room and have heard from them in the beginning of the event. Uh, we have four amazing speakers today. I had the pleasure to already talk a bit with them, but I still want to know a lot of things. Super excited for it. Um, so we're just going to go for each speaker individually, and they're just going to talk a bit about themselves, and then we're going to ask a few questions. Obviously, that question doesn't need to be exactly for that specific person, although we are going to ask that. Um, they can create a really beautiful conversation between all of us. And yeah, our first one is going to be Anastasia, and she's a co-founder and CEO at Titan. And I would love to hear a bit for how you started the company and everything around that. Well, hi. Oh. <laughs> hi, my name is Anastasia, and um, I'm a co-founder and CEO of Sentient. After graduating biomedical sciences from Brunel, I um, worked briefly in academia. And I then started my own company where we're adding smells to virtual reality. So we are a tech company and we developed a device that works together with um, immersive technologies and adds smell as an extra layer of immersion. Yeah. Yeah. So the first question we have for you is how do you balance your personal and professional life goals as a young woman in the workplace? Because obviously being the CEO, you do sometimes um, may have the struggle of just switch it off when you go home because you always need to working on new things and getting better and better. So how do you try to find that balance where you're like, okay, this is my me time. I need to stop a bit from work. 
So as a CEO and a co-founder, it's just two of us as a team in the company and we wear so many hats every single day uh, from being literally the tech developers, our own marketing team, our own accountants and everything else. So every single day we have to decide what hat do we wear today and that's actually really difficult and you never really switch off. But uh, my co-founder is actually my husband, and we have a kid who keeps us grounded. So, <laughs> you know, with all the bugs coming from the nursery, we have to sometimes just switch off, and it actually works perfectly well. What I actually struggle with getting the me time, but I'm actively working on it, um, and it's incredibly, incredibly important uh, to actually consciously uh, find the time for yourself and actually. Um, find a perfect balance, but there is no perfect balance, is there? But we all have our own way to balancing things. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My other question would be, what advice would you give to women who are looking to advance in their careers? Obviously, you just said that um, your co-founder is your husband. That should be absolutely amazing. And um, obviously, sometimes has to do things because you can't <laughs> agree with everything. But... Um, that support must be absolutely amazing. What do you? What advice would you give to that woman that maybe don't have that support or is still looking for that support? And how would they advance in their careers if they're going as a woman? I would say, um, no matter if you know what you want to do or you don't want, I never thought I would end up doing this. So I actually was really focused on an academic career. I jump on any opportunity that comes your way. Um, try things. The, the worst thing that's going to happen when you try a thing is that you're going to find out that you don't like it. And that's actually a good outcome because you're not going to keep trying in that field. And that's really, really important. So just be out there, be re resilient and just keep going and try new things. I told you that one thing that my mom always says, and I keep it in my heart every single day, um, is when I was going to ask something for her. And she'll always be like, tell me. And I was like, no, I'm scared. And she's like, no, tell me. And she would always be like, the no is guaranteed, but you might have the luck of having a yes. So just take your shot. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so next we have Tatiana. Obviously, she was a student here at Brunel. I've worked with her in societies. I've seen her around, but we would love to hear a bit from you. Uh, hello, thank you for having me. My name is Tatiana, or some know me as Agarani. Um, I was a undergraduate LLB law student here, but I graduated earlier in July at 19, and now I am doing a postgraduate uh, master's in legal practice alongside my solicitor's qualification. So my first question to you is, what inspired you to pursue your current career path and what challenge did you face along the way? Because obviously I know that you came very young to Brunel. Uh, that is definitely a, a, a struggle because obviously a lot of people even come later. Um, but what have inspired you to exactly go through all this path and just go through all the challenges through it? Uh, well, so to start off, my family did... Um convinced me to come into the law, <laughs> firstly. Uh, but I think after I graduated, I also did take some time, um, not that much time, but I tried to see whether I actually did like um, law. And I did enjoy the whole uh, research and the whole um, understanding the way the legal system works. Um, I think what made me continue going is the fact that I already took the opportunity and might as well 
see it through because I'm nearly there. I am nearly, uh, you know, I only have two more years of qualification and then I'm a fully qualified solicitor. So, um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yes, so I think that is what's made me continue. I guess, but um, one of the biggest challenges is obviously the fact that I started so early. Um, I did not know many opportunities that was available to me. A lot of the things I've had to find out along the way through either my own connections or you know stuff that I've researched online. So I think that itself, not only as a woman, but also as someone from a very ethnic minority background and someone from a low income background as well, um, there are a few events now that come up, but I guess those opportunities are not as advertised as many other events that are up and coming. So, um, yeah, that would probably be one of the biggest challenges I faced. What were, um, what are some strategies that you use to maintain your healthy and study and work and societies and being so young and just managing everything? What are the strategies that you use to be able to prioritize also your well-being? Because obviously law is also a very di difficult course and even my best friend does law. I know how hard she struggles with that to keep up everything and be great at it. So what were the things that you've always tried to do on your daily basis to prioritize your well-being? To the point that you got to the end of the day and you're like, okay, I've worked so hard, I'm getting it, but at the same time, I still have that time for myself to realize who I am. Because obviously in that age, so young, you're still realizing who you are while doing something so difficult. So how do you manage to balance everything out? As a, there's no perfect balance, but what worked for you personally? Uh, so for me, um, throughout my undergrad, I don't really know how to balance that, if I'm honest. Um, I'm the kind of person that just keeps working and just will keep forcing through it. So in terms of the balance, I don't really have much of balance, you know, or if there was a balance, it'd be like very, oh, going out with friends heavy. And then, you know, <laughs> in the final few months is when I'll really start knocking down on my uh, things, because especially with law, it's not like you have assessments in the winter and then assessments in the summer, it's all just in the summer. So that did not help in balancing. So I just left things mostly towards the end. But um, then also my final year, that really caught up to me, especially with um, dissertations and reports and everything going on. Uh, I then realized the importance of really having a work-life balance, I guess. Um, so now with my new degree, I do realize that I should start my work as soon as I can. You know, when if, if I have time and I'm not um, busy or anything, just start doing the work. Uh, but then when I when I'm also feeling a bit lazy or like. I don't know, like, um, I'm just not feeling it today. My mental health is not up there as it should be. I also realise the importance of me just being me. If there's no me, there's no way I can go down this path. So there's no point in just, you know, keeping going and then not being able to reach the end. So for me, it's just, you know, me is first. So I take care of myself. And then if I am fine, only then will I be able to go down the path. I actually found that so interesting because even I'm, I'm involved in so many things in university and I used to always have that thing inside of me that you cannot stop. And then at some point, obviously, I started being so tired, not even physical, mentally, everything. And it was so hard for me to realize, like, oh, I can have a day off. For me, it's like, I have a day off. No, people have a day off. I don't have a day off. You can't have that. So it took me a long time to realize that all that time that I was not taking a day off, it was jeopardizing my work because I couldn't have my full attention, my full commitment and passion towards it. Um, 
So I love what you said about that, having a me day. I've definitely been working on learning that as well. But I guess it's always a work in progress that we need to try to figure out the balance that we have in our own life with work and everything. Okay, now we're going to pass for Shilpa. And I'm really excited to hear about this because she has an Instagram account and I study marketing. So <laughs> please tell us more about it. Um, so hi, yes, I'm Shilpa. I am a management consultant at Accenture and I work in the financial services. Um, but on the side, I do have an Instagram account where I run a blog um, called Late Afternoon Thoughts. And I kind of share the, um, the journey from everything from university to starting a career, the mental pressure that comes with it, the kind of experiences that everyone goes through but probably doesn't talk about enough. Um, and then I add my own spin of the South Asian kind of diaspora as well, because I think there's a lot to talk about there um, in terms of upbringing and everything. Um, and then there's a cute few, few selfies, a few nights out, and there's everything as well. <laughs> um, but I've been out of university for about four years now, um, which is insane to think about. And I studied biochemistry at the University of Nottingham, so I've pivoted my life quite a bit. Um, but I'm really glad to say that I really like where I am at the moment, and um, I'm really excited to be here as well. <laughs> So my first question would be, obviously, you said you're a management or financial um, company. Yeah. And my first question would be, how can we encourage more women to take on leadership roles in traditional male-dominant industry? Because yeah. that, is, that is a hard one. Because um, although, obviously, we know we're capable of it, people around us know we're capable of it, there's always yeah. that thing in people's mind that, can they be a leader? Can they be, like, the people that we're going to follow? So what would you do to encourage, and how did you struggle yourself with that? Yeah, so um, that's definitely something I've seen a lot in the financial services as well. Um, and then, yeah, in sort of senior management positions as well. But one thing that sort of like broke the glass for me is just realizing that no one has a clue what they're doing. Um, no matter how much like it may seem like they do, um, you have to think about it. Like how we say Instagram is a highlight reel um, and, you know, don't compare yourself. Like the way people portray themselves on LinkedIn or in, in the corporate field is very much a highlight reel as well. Um, everyone is constantly questioning themselves um, and that's a natural part you can't really progress and become better without having that self-doubt right but um, women do tend to internalize that a lot more and let that negatively affect them whereas men will just charge ahead with it um, so I think massively overcoming your imposter syndrome and knowing that you have the equal amount of strength like if you've been hired in the same position as a male colleague, then it's because you have the same talent, you have the same skills. There is no reason that you should not go for that next leadership position compared to your male colleague. Um, and then there's also like elements of femininity you can bring into it as well. Like women, you've all seen your mothers and everything run the house and we're, we are born leaders. Um, so there are ways you can rule that aren't the same way as a man. Um, you should definitely tap into that and nurture that side of you as you progress with your career as well. Um, because that's something really unique to us. Um, and I feel like a lot of girls probably need to hear that. I definitely did. <laughs> um, yeah, that was beautiful. And even I think we can add as well the fact that we have good, positive people around us as well. If we have a good like girl empowerment around us, people that have the same values, the same strength, that even if one day we're down, they just look at us being like, hey, wake up yeah. today it's time to kill the world again so come on with that um yeah i totally agree it's beautiful um now coming a bit up to your instagram account how can we use our voices and influence to affect positive changes for women in our communities and beyond 
such a huge one. I think there's um, everyone. I think everyone has a voice, um, regardless of how many followers you have on Instagram, or even if you have an Instagram account or not, or whatever platform. Um, because the women that have mainly inspired me in my life are people without that. They're people who I just grew up around, and you know, like a family friend that has both an amazing family life and a great career someone like that is just enough to inspire me and the few people around them who then hopefully go on to inspire further like more people um so don't be disheartened saying thinking that you don't have a voice and you don't have an impact if even if you inspire one person in your family or your community that has such a huge knock-on effect um but yeah if you are interested in getting into sort of the social media side of things then just do it just start like there's no the second best time to start is now so um just do it and shed that thought of um what are people gonna think or am i good enough and you know just start putting content out there i was speaking with um anastasia earlier actually i know there's a lot of content out there now but seeing more and more women who have it all and seeing them share their life is so inspiring people don't realize um, and I know you may feel like, yeah, there's too many voices, but seeing, you know, that extra 10th person become exactly who you're looking to be in life is, is might be the sort of like snap moment for someone else. I do remember as well when I started my Instagram page that it was um, so stressful when you wanted to post some content and were like, oh my God, what people are going to think. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, you're acting all influencer. I was so scared of that. But actually, it was the other way around. When you started doing it, everyone was like, wow, like yeah. this is this is something that was even missing there that people do need and do give inspiration. Like even if we don't get those comments, those uh, things every day that, oh, you inspire me or whatever. When you meet someone, they're like, oh, I've seen you on Instagram, I've yeah. seen you, whatever. That just creates something in you that you're like, I thought I was so small, but I'm actually reaching places. And um, it's beautiful, actually. And even though there's a lot of content, they're always different. Because yes. if you put, I think what happens today is a lot of people try to like copy each other. Mm -hmm. But if you say to yourself, people will see the difference because obviously every person has a different personality, a different aura, different everything. So if they can feel that in them, definitely that would be much help. Thank you so much. I love hearing it. Um, next, we have Galia. And she studied medical bi biochemistry. I studied wow. medicine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about it. Yeah, of course. And hi, everyone. My name is Julia, and I'm currently a fourth year medical student at Queen Mary University of London. And I previously graduated in biochemistry as well from the same university. So I've been at this institution for a long, long time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in terms of um, what I do, so I've been heavily involved in my students' union with a variety of roles, from being president of the African and Caribbean Society, vice president of the Women in Healthcare Society, and currently being a student ambassador for the university as well. So when it comes to student union activities um, and representation, I definitely have been one of the people that have been encouraging and promoting changes and um, positive movements. Outside of academia, um, I'm a creative at heart. I love roller skating. I love pageantry. I'm an anime fanatic. Like, yes, I'm going to be a doctor next year, but <laughs> that is not all who I am. And that's not the essence of Julia. Um, and that's something that I really want to hone in that, yes, you're going to have a profession and your main line of work, but that is not who you are in your entirety. 
Um, and yeah, I'm really excited and I'm glad, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity and platform to be able to speak about all of these things and all of the um, comments that you've all made, I can really resonate with, especially with like imposter syndrome and, you know, not being able to quite strike that balance, but it's a matter of trial and error, don't you think? But yeah. Well, so first of all, I have to say that I absolutely love hearing you talk so much about your student union because I think nowadays, especially if people are not in the university that has a strong student union, when you talk about all the positions that you had, um, they kind of always like, oh yeah, it's student union, but they don't know the effort and the passion that it takes to be there. I know that um, I work in my student union as well as president of Pritchie Society, president of volleyball um, with Brown Volunteers, you officer, now I just want... Um, what it was called previously, the vice presidents. So I can definitely relate to you, and especially about how people don't understand how much it takes from you to be there. Mm -hmm. You're working for the students, you're not working for yourself. Your whole, everything, your day is dedicated to other people and not just for yourself. Although obviously you need to try to find that balance. Um, it takes a lot from you, but you're also giving a lot, so it, it feels so good. <laughs> um, my first question is obviously because of what I have seen that you have mentoring young children, yes. and that's absolutely amazing. So my first question was, how can we support and mentor young women who are just starting out their careers? Mm. That's a great question. Um, so even just a little bit of background and context to that. So when I was both the academic lead and then I progressed to the vice president of the Women in Healthcare Society at my university, I set up and created a platform, a mentorship program to allow current medical students, dental students and students in healthcare based courses to be able to network and connect with um, people um, who are in positions where they want to be in the future. Um, and then that same breath um, and token, I also set up a youth group um, a few years ago to, again, allow young people to be able to create a network and just create opportunities for them to be able to speak to people and just get to know more ideas and explore their passions with fields and people who are in the fields that they're interested in. So in terms of being able to like create the platform and providing that support, it's super important. I'm sure all of us can relate one way or another by having a mentor or by having someone in a position where we want to get to, being able to support us in taking those steps. And another thing I really want to hone in is that some of my mentors have been males. They have not always been women. And that's a really important thing to remember as well, because it comes back um, to a previous question that you asked about, um, you know, like progressing through your career and whatnot, is that you don't necessarily have to find someone who exactly looks like you. Yes, representation is absolutely important, but just having someone who is willing to support you and be able to achieve the milestone that you want to get to, that is the stepping stone that you need to then become the person who is representative of the people who want to come after you. So that's also a really important thing to um, remember. I know I'm digressing from the question, but it's because with some fields in medicine, they are so male dominant. A lot of surgical fields are very um, um, male dominant. And so with me and my interests, 
I have had to have male mentors and I personally have not seen that as a problem because it's just a stepping stone to be able to create and open up those doors for women to come and feel more confident to come into the future. Um, I hope that answers your question, but in terms of um, networking and creating those um, platforms and mentoring kids, super important because what I always believe is everything that I'm doing, yes, it's I can say it's like my achievements and I can put it on my CV, fantastic, whoop-de-doo. But the important thing is what kind of legacy are you trying to leave behind with everything that you do? What impact are you trying to create? It's all good to do things for yourself, but when you've finished that role as like VP for that one academic year or you've finished your program, what impact have you had? And that's why mentoring is super important and why I am still involved in mentorship programs and mentoring young kids. I love it. I love the point you said about um, having male mentors as well, because I think that's really important in not internalizing the fact that you're different from everyone else. Because I think if you hide away in a corner thinking, I'm different, I'm going to have to do things differently, I'm going to have a bad experience, then you like automatically hold yourself back. Whereas if you look at someone who's white and male and a lot senior and be like, I can do that too, and then go to them for advice, then you're much more likely to unleash that part of you as well. Um, so definitely a good point. Yeah. I actually love having also um, male mentors just because you can learn so much from each other. Mm. I love having women to give me inspiration and for me to be like, wow, by them and just being inspired to do multiple things or um, get as high as they're going. But I love having male mentors just by the fact that you can speak up all the difference that you have between you. And not only sometimes, in some cases, you can teach them how to be more <coughs> empathizing, more sensible, more understanding. They can also teach you how to be less caring because I think we sometimes care a bit too much even about the small details. And sometimes they can they just look at us and like, relax. <laughs> it's not that deep, like, come on. Um, so I love that. Uh, I, I actually love that because you can can learn a lot from each other and it gives you that different perspective especially not only about male and female but even sometimes about culture backgrounds and everything the principles that you have um last question that i had was obviously you talk a lot about the medical field that you are and is a lot of um, male dominant mm -hmm. but do you have any inspired women in your field that you completely love and follow and you want to learn from them one day that's a really good question because the way medicine operates in just the healthcare space is really dynamic. So if I try to think of um, women who inspire me, you probably don't know them. You probably don't know their names. They might not have the biggest following on Instagram or anything like that. But even if I think about um, an encounter that I had only yesterday while I was in the pediatrics emergency department, I met um, a GP trainee. Her name is Laurie. Oh, I'm going to send this to her when this goes out. She's going to be so happy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I met um, Laurie and... Again, she's basically, um, she's far ahead in her train um, training program. So she's currently a GP trainee. And I will never forget this moment. So what happened was a red call had been um, put out because there was a really um, poorly, uh, poor child um, who was very ill, who was getting an um, ambulance to the emergency department. And before that came, she pulled me to one side and she was like, okay, Julia, you've been saying these things about, you know, work-life balance and, you know, wanting to be a, a, a mother and a wife in the future, but balancing that as a doctor. And 
ask away. You have five minutes. Ask me any question that you want. And oh my gosh, I vented. I vented. <laughs> I asked her so many questions. I was like, how do you do this? What do, What is working less than full time? How can you work part time as a doctor? And I say all of these things and I know it's not unique to just the medical field. I think these points that I'm mentioning is it can be extrapolated to pretty much every field. Um, so it was just such an amazing experience and an opportunity to have that kind of time and space, especially in the pediatrics emergency department, like, wow. Um, but I say this because um, just to emphasize that people who inspire me during my journey, not only just in medical school, but outside of academia, you probably won't know them. And that's okay because they can literally just capture you for that one moment and that one moment will just stick with you for the rest of your career, for the rest of your life. And the gems of advice that I got from Laurie, oh, I'm going to be passing it down to my mentees. I'm going to be sharing this because, again, it's realities um, of medicine and just questions I've been able to ask which I haven't necessarily had the opportunity to. And for me, that was absolute inspiration because now I feel confident, more confident in having these kind of questions more openly and being able to speak more about it to my peers and to my mentees too. Um, so yeah, just to emphasize that, people who inspire me, they're not necessarily gonna be big names or prominent on any platforms. They could be anyone, just, you know, those pockets, those moments, gem moments. Um, and it's just a matter of what you do with that information going forward that matters. I absolutely agree with that. I remember that every single time that I found someone really inspiring was actually not someone from social media on everything, especially because obviously in some fields, um, there is a lot of trouble with women trying to be very strong. Like, oh, I'm this and this and that. And you so, sometimes they lose a bit of that soft corner that sometimes you're looking for in terms of support and in terms of having an open conversation because obviously it's not for them to blame they have been like grown up like that in a company especially if they're older like they have have to be very strong to be able to survive in such companies um so every time that i was able to find someone that was like no no it's okay to like freak out it's okay to do mistakes uh, like we all have done that those are exactly the moments that I always remember because obviously when you enter a new space, you're like, oh, I have to be this. I have to cause good good um, presentation, like need to look um, good for the job. But it's okay to make mistakes. Like we all make mistakes. We're all humans. And it's good to remember that just because we're women doesn't mean we cannot do them as much as men. Just we're not as open about it because we're scared that they're going to judge us because of that. Okay, cool. Um, do you guys have any questions for each other? Because it's just me asking you all questions. So if you guys have any questions for each other, that would be quite interesting as well. Anything? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, go ahead. I have a question for you, if that's okay. Um, I really am curious because I'm still, you know, in university. How how do you balance being a wife and a mother and having your uh, like job and role as a CEO? How, how do you balance it? Are there like any tips that you have? Any any considerations? Or is it like you're just winging it every single day and going with the flow? <laughs> like what tips do you have? Um, it's a bit of a mixture of everything. You kind of wing it as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very often we actually. But um, we often because I work with my partner and then we have a kid together so it's always like teamwork 24 7 um, and we always do these 
check-ins on whether we can do 100% at work today or um, our kid needs help because he has a cold or, you know, and we set priorities, especially when you have a kid, your priorities change. You, if they call from the nursery, you know, they have fever, you run and pick them up. And that's what happened last week actually to me. And I was like, okay, I have an event in the office today where I have to be on a panel and then, but they have enough people to cover and I can't just sit here and then just keep working, especially when I don't have anything really urgent to do and to not go home and do cuddles on the sofa with <laughs> cartoons, right? Um, so it's, kids keep you really grounded so it's easier to choose um, and because if if you're working as a team with your partner we always juggle also because we cover different type of work when we're colleagues <laughs> so he um, Ivan works more on um, technical side I work on more business development side so we have different responsibilities so we always also um, do it like okay today I have these important things so you stay with kids and vice versa. So we, we do check-ins on our responsibilities, on our own feelings and our mental health, whether we can actually manage to do a lot of productive work that day, or would you rather actually spend the time with the family that day? So our work allows us the flexibility to do it, but also when you have a kid, you have that flexibility to choose sometimes when you feel like, okay, I don't think I can focus on work today because I miss spending time with my kids. So I'm just going to choose to do that today because it's going to be good for him and good for my mental health as well. So it's kind of all about priorities yeah. and making choices every single day. And um, just quickly, mm -hmm. uh, something I've heard a lot from like senior women at my company and people that I've worked with is that having a kid puts things into perspective. Mm -hmm. So like at the beginning of my career, I'd like spend at least 10 minutes doing an email being like, have I done everything right? Have I attached the right thing? I'd like overthink it so much. Um, but once you get older and you have other things to worry about, especially like kids and stuff, those kind of overthinking like habits and everything just go out the window. Like you realize that nothing is as important as it, it needs to be at work really. Um, so yeah, it keeps you grounded in a sense. <laughs> I still worry about every email. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll actually learn to <laughs> not read it a thousand times. But also, um, you get busier with a kid, so procrastination pretty much doesn't exist. So you feel less guilty. <laughs> Some days of procrastination just feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think we're done. What a beautiful panel. I feel so good after this conversation tonight. Like, I feel like tomorrow I go places the same probably that I went today, but, <laughs> but it, was, it was amazing. It was really inspiring. Thank you to everyone that came here. Thank, Thank you. you to all of you. It was an absolute pleasure hearing from all of you. And I hope you all enjoyed as well as much. And yeah. Uh, we, we can open up to you guys. Do you guys, yeah. have, Do you guys have any questions? Um, I think we explain everything very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will come back. I to ask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, um, sorry, let me. See, part time like microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, look, that's why it's called Pick Up the Mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm um, sorry I was late. Um, 
working from home today, but yeah, the struggle of managing work life and, you know, I love coming back here to Brunel, even though I graduated almost two years ago. But um, yeah, just to add to that, um, as you said, you know, I feel like as women, there's so many expectations of us. Don't worry. Um, there's so many expectations of us, you know, um, if you're working, then, you know, either you, you know, you have to climb up the corporate ladder and there's an expectation, like, you have to do a bit more to get promoted, I feel, as a woman. But then if you're not working and you want to be a full-time mother, I feel like there's also still that stigma. It's like, even if you're working, it's like, oh, no, she, she's working too hard. But even if you're at home, like, she's like, oh, she, she's not really... Um, ambitious and all these things so that it's like you can never really get it right so I'm just wondering like what do you think um, like do you think there's still do you think we've improved over the last like 10-15 years or do you think like we can st we still have a lot of work to do to be like gender equal and you know have these like senior women on leadership and you know women CEOs like I, I feel personally as a young woman that I need to try harder then guys to get promoted and to, you know, work my way up. And even then, it's still not even recognized. So I can see what you mean by burnout and all of these things, because as a woman, it is so hard to, to juggle between work, work and life and, and all of that. But I'm just wondering, what do you think about the progress? <laughs> you would like to so I work as part of a really big company where there is um, a lot of gender equality now um, and I am starting to see more women in senior positions and things and one thing I've noticed is that when when men are active in the home and they do a really good job or like even mediocre job at work they're looked at as the most amazing people um, and people have started realising that that's not that different to what women have been doing this entire time um, and Sometimes, on your point about women having to work harder, it's not necessarily about having to work harder, it's about having to be a bit louder. So I think as women, you naturally tend to downplay everything that you do. So you might be doing more work already than your male counterparts or something, but you're just not as showy-offy about it. It's just a harsh fact. Um, that probably goes for like home life as well. Like You do a lot of the home sort of chores and things like that, but men will make a big deal about everything. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a partner, by the way. So. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I think it's just about making yourself vocal, making yourself known for the things you've been doing and being proud of the fact that you can do an amazing job at home, an amazing job at work. Um, and it is unfortunate that like you can't give 100% to either place, but if you want that sort of work-life balance and you want that reality and you want the joys of both it's that's just how life's going to be but yeah in a nutshell um so obviously i haven't fully gone to the work life yet outside for now uh, most of my life has always been most of my life no, most of my time in the uk has been in brunel but i can definitely speak for myself that it was hard for people to acknowledge my presence doesn't matter how hard I've worked, doesn't matter how many things I would do, that I would show up to 10 events in one day, that I would figure out everything in my in the club that I'm chair of, it will always be compared as, yeah, but that's your job. But when it was previous people there, it was always like, oh wow, that they really focus on a lot of things. And even today that after um, 
elections are done and I thankfully got the job, still people are telling me more what I have done wrong instead of everything that I have done in three years. So it's definitely still a space that we need to explore, not only in workplace, but even in our own university in terms of studies, in terms of everything, where people are more expecting us to be fully on study than going outside and be working so hard for a lot of things. Um, so it is still definitely an issue, but at some point we need to think that although we feel responsible that we need to work harder, we don't. We actually don't. We know our value, we know what we bring to the table, and when we're missing from that table, they do realize what's missing there. Because when we're not there, that's when they realize, oh my god, that, that person actually is missing here. And they used to do a lot. When there's a lot of things, they're like, okay, who's doing this? And no one goes ahead, and they realize this person used to always go ahead. So although we do feel like guilt in us that we need to do more because that's what society has taught us. We really don't because if people know the work we have done, they appreciate us and they will miss us if we're not there. So it's all about also like making ourselves acceptance and realizing that we do bring a lot to the table and we should be um, in the middle of mental breakdowns or in the middle of being completely burnouts just to prove that we're in the table. We are at the table and we prove ourselves to be at that table. So we don't have to work even harder to show at the table that we're already in. So I think that. I can hear. Um, I think also I agree very much with what um, the two girls have already said as well. And again, coming back on the point where, you know, um, so I've held, I'm not in job um, yet, but in positions that I have held, you know, it's been very hard to kind of get the people that I'm leading to kind of accept me in my position and to also just tell them that, you know, there's something you have to do and this is what you sign up for, so do your job. That is also something that was not recognised by them. And um, I think when they went into my position after I left the university, um, that's when they realised, oh, actually, do you know, you were actually doing quite a lot of work the way that this was organised. I can't keep this as organised as you did and you know although they won't admit it you can already see it through their work the quality of the work that they've put in that is just not the same and that's mostly because again we work harder to try and prove ourselves but the fact is that we're working harder and showing better quality of work whilst the people around us um are just well in that sense you know showing a less quality of work and it's not fair but i think now Although there have been improvements, we are also in a society where a lot of strong women are standing up for themselves and for others around them, not just women, but also for men that are in the same positions and others that are in the same position. And I think that's in a great place to be. But we do have a lot of work, I think, to do, not just us as women, but also as a society in terms of mindset and everything. There is a long way for us to go. We're only just at the beginning of that. But um, I think so far we are off to a good start, personally. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just wanted to echo what the ladies have said, um, that I think the society in general, um, we have a lot of work to do on that, uh, but at the same time, echoing what Shofa said, we need to celebrate our achievements much more, and I think it's also up to the mindset of the women, and it's up to you know, other women to inspire other women, um, so eventually we'll get there, but there's still a lot of work, and remember to celebrate yourselves and your achievements. Any more questions?
Yeah. I've got one online. I have a chunk in there. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Victoria also has one. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got Sefi. I'm sorry, apologies to anyone online who can now see my face. Um, <laughs> the question is basically how do you stay motivated uh, when you're having really hard days? I know we sort of talked about like, mental health and burnout and mindset. Um, yeah, again, open to the panel. <clears throat> Um, I think motivation has become a bit of a buzzword lately. Everybody's talking about you need to keep motivated, you, keep, you need to like be inspired all the time. You can't be physically always you know, up there in the clouds being like, okay, this is what I'm working for. I think it's all about the discipline. You need to remember your, what you're going towards and that drives motivation. But in the days when it's so hard to actually keep going, it's up to your discipline, it's up to your self-control to actually, you know, push yourself and keep going, and then remember that one day, you know, the, you, you'll get there, and sometimes you'll get another spark of motivation, and then some days will be low again, and then you have to push with discipline. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's more like if I'm not motivated, I'm not motivated. I can't just be motivated like that. It won't work. Um, and also, if I force myself to be motivated, I then won't understand what I'm doing and I won't be able to put my whole self into, in, into it. So for me, I just take the time. If I can't be motivated, I can't be motivated. There's a reason why. And I'll just try and understand why that is. But then that also won't be an excuse for me to just take the whole day off. It would be for me to just take a step back, clear my head a bit, and then come back and do the work after when I've calmed down and, you know, I can see a bit more clearly. Then I can come back and just start doing the work again. But if I'm not motivated in that time, I just can't be. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people need to realise as well. You can't just force yourself to be motivated. You know, that's not how it works. Motivation is through inspiration, through stuff that you like. So to try and force that on you, it will just end up making you dislike what you're doing. And that's, you know, that's what you want to avoid um, throughout your whole journey and just where you are as well. So just take the time. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely agree with what both of you said. And it's actually a really um, good question, because if I think about, um, you know, some people who are considered like all time greats, like, you know, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace and other like legendary names, what really made them legendary from my perspective, you can feel like I'm happy for you to disagree, is doing things when they weren't motivated. And I agree with you. Sometimes you just can't get yourself motivated because you're you just don't have the mental capacity. But even like me, one of the things I've been doing is I've tried to become more consistent in the gym and go gym at least four or five times a week. I go to the gym when I don't feel like it. And when I look back at my gym journey, I am so happy that I went to the gym when I was not motivated or just didn't feel like doing it. Or, you know, I, I was I was like feeling I was getting like PMS and whatever. It's like, but I still went because now I can look back at the journey and be like, yeah, I'm so glad because it really does tie into what you said about discipline. And when it comes to 
being motivated. It's okay if you're not. There are things that you can do to help you um, in terms of like just checking in with yourself, as you said. Maybe you need to take five, maybe you need to journal, maybe you need to meditate, or maybe you just need to change the activity that you're doing. Because sometimes just taking a little break and a pause from what you are doing and just being able to do something else, then you can revisit back come back to the original task that you were doing and be like, yeah, okay, I've taken some time. I did other things which have been of use to me, even just simple things like stretching or making yourself a really nice lunch, little things like that. Then you revisit the initial task and it's like, okay, good. I have taken time, new perspective. I feel fresh, revitalized, let's go. But it really does come down into what the task is, the time frame that you have to do it and really like being like telling yourself, okay, I have this number of weeks to get my dissertation done. That's where I'm at right now. I've got a dissertation to do. <laughs> I have this number of weeks to get my dissertation done. I need to have my introduction and methodology done, methodology done by this time. Ah, uh, I don't feel motivated today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take 20 minutes, take a break, and then I'm going to revisit the task, even if it's just for 20 to 30 minutes, and do a little bit. Because as Tesco says, every little helps. And that is so true when it comes to just trying to stay motivated, do things when you're not motivated, and just be able to make little bits of progress. All of those things, they really do add up. Um, go on then. Uh, with myself, I normally have like two rules. Not two rules, I have one rule and then one red flag, if you call it like that. <laughs> Which is, um, if I, I have this thing with me is that if I'm not feeling fine one day, I overwork myself. I try to just cover it up. No, let's not think about it. If I'm always working, I won't think about it, which is not correct. Um, so I have built a new world for myself, which is you have one day. If something really bad happened, if you feel like crying, if you feel like saying that, you have one day and one day a week, that's it. Even if something else happened, you have one day to cry it out, to be in bed, to eat your junky food to just recover like in your aura everything you want you have one day to do whatever you want in that day express whatever you want in that day let it out whatever you want that day and then keep going because that's you cannot stop every single day so you have one day per week you do whatever you want in that day you cry as much you want you go to the gym and lift as heavy as you want you do all your frustrations off in that one day and then we keep going with the week um, I really like that. Yeah. I actually do that myself yeah. as well. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you can never think about spending time like that as a waste because that is something that is a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. And you'd rather be able to give your 100% for the next couple of days than give 25% for the next couple of days mm -hmm. just because you didn't pay attention to yourself. Um, but for me, motivation, I never agreed with the fact that it should be some big goal. Like. I hate the question, where do you see yourself five years from now? Because I don't know. And I don't think it's right for me to have such an amazing, like, big goal that probably isn't achievable. Like, sometimes I stay motivated because I'm just looking forward to the weekend, and that's okay. Um, it's not because I have no zest for life or anything like that. I'm just enjoying where I am at the moment. And if you have a really exciting dinner this evening, yeah, you're going to be in a good mood all day. Like, like harness that and stay motivated because of the little goals that you have in life. Um, and... Yeah, like even if you have a rough idea of where you want to be by 30, 40, whatever, celebrate the small wins again. Like if you if you have something really amazing that coming up mid-year, just, just work towards that and then figure out the rest later. 
Jeffrey, I need you to pick up the mic. See, it's my uh, new designated job. Um, yeah, Vic, could you ask me a question, please? Thank you. Um, so I'm not sure how to hold this. Again, apologies if this is way too uh, specific of a question. Um, but how do you deal with interrupting? Um, because I know everyone does it, but we also know that it's most prevalent in men. Um, and I think I personally find it really hard, uh, especially in professional settings, because with friends it's much easier to like call them out, um, uh, or other people to call them out as well. But with professional settings, like sometimes I feel like saying something will sound rude, and then people will think that I'm wrong for calling them out. Um, so a lot of times what I do is just, you know, take it. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to add another question to that, because I guess, as the only man in the room, <laughs> this can work with it as well. Um, so I guess, as being, I guess, you know, somebody who's not a woman, what can I do so people, so like, for example, big situation doesn't happen. So whether it's in my office, whether it's in my friendship group, um, you know, whether it's just, you know, I'm on the train and I see something, um, what can I do as an ally to ensure that Vic doesn't feel like that? Yeah. That. Um, that does happen a lot and I've seen that happen to some of the most senior women as well, which is absolutely shocking because I'm always captivated by what they're saying and it blows my mind that someone would just cut them off and like not listen to what they're saying. And I've realised that they will come back with that, I'm not done, or I'm not finished talking. And even though your immediate reaction, even my immediate reaction is, whoa, did she just say that? After that split second, everyone will be like, okay, no, that makes sense. Like, even if it sounds rude to start with, because our, our brains are geared to register it as rude, it's not really, and everyone understands that, especially given the context and everything. Um, obviously, don't be too brutal, but... Um, just, just go ahead and say it. And especially if you're younger, um, especially the first few years of my career, even now, I don't see it as it's because I'm a woman. I see it as it's because I don't have the experience. But that's not true either. Like your view is always important no matter where you are in your career. So if you are being interrupted, if you are made to feel like what you've got to say doesn't matter, just let make them finish, make them let you finish what you're saying um, and you will have some value to offer. Um, but I also think that as women, naturally, in the way that we talk, we do sort of seem not so self-assured. So we naturally have lulls in our sentences. We don't hold the the audience as much as men do um, because they, they're almost like holding people against their will sometimes, which is really, really good <laughs> because you are forced to listen to what they say and it works really well and they are engaging. And that's what makes a really good public speaker, for example. Um, you don't feel like cutting them off. So we need to sort of be a bit more self-assured again, um, have a lot of self-confidence and not give people the opportunity to interrupt us. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Completely agree with what you said, Shilpa. And just to add to that, it's a matter of having that self-confidence and also owning your space and being like, yes, I'm here for a reason. I have my point that I need to get to the room, get across to the people attending this meeting and just making sure that it's delivered. And then adding on to, um, to tap into uh, Jeffrey's question in terms of like how you can be an ally. If any of you, you know, see this happening, um, 
you could even just be like, sorry, she hasn't finished um, finishing what she's saying. Can she finish? And then you can um, add to um, the conversation afterwards. You know, just to politely ensure that the person who was originally speaking and was, you know, getting their points across finishes what they're saying as they should be allowed to do. So just to add that little bit. Yeah, I also completely agree. I've had a few instances, well, not a few instances, quite a lot of instances where I've been interrupted by um, men, women, whoever. And for me, I'm a person who is quite shy at first, so I won't talk or I'll stay very quiet. So when I do start talking and someone interrupts me, that just completely cuts off my self-confidence. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. But uh, something that I have learned and just um, gained the confidence to do is just be like, sorry, I haven't finished and then continue. And if you don't agree with that, and if you think that's rude, then I think you should have reflected on your behavior first of all, to think actually interrupting in the first place was rude. And all I'm doing is just regaining back the power that you took away from me. Um, so I think that starting that, like you said, from very early on, um, for me, I'm not scared to now just say, listen, I'm not done by, you know, after I'm done, you can carry on talking or sometimes, you know, it can happen by accident in a conversation. I tend to sometimes interrupt someone and I'll be like, oh, sorry, I didn't realise you're finished. So just having that courtesy as well, when you've realised you've done it, to apologise and just be like, oh, sorry, carry on. And then I'll continue afterwards. Um, that is also you know, a great way to actually help in interrupting women, I guess. Um, and as a man, I think what you can do is, again, like Julie said, just um, saying, oh, you know, she isn't done talking yet, but after she's done, carry on. Um, that is also a great step to take. And also, you know, just not interrupt in the first place. That would be a <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, I totally agree with everything the house said. Um, if someone interrupts me, first I get really mad. I don't let it through, but I'm always like, sorry, I haven't finished yet. So... I would love to hear your input on this, but let me first finish so we can get to actual conclusion on the matter. And I think it's also important to not only the subject of interrupting, but the subject of supporting if you're trying to defend the point. Because I found it so frustrating when I'm trying to um, figure out an issue, solve an issue, um, defend the point. And one of the guys just comes and they speak over me and they try to prove exactly the same point that I'm saying, but because they think they're gonna hear him better, he does that. I would say in this situation, I'm speaking more for an ally as in what frustrates me, as an, as an ally, yes, you should give me support. You can stand behind me and if I need anything, I can ask you, but I don't even expect it to take over my conversation when I'm trying so hard to prove a point that should be listening in the first place. Doesn't matter if I'm a male or female. So, Definitely, that is something I even told my own friends if there was any issue of someone who was like in a bit like arguing conversation when I was trying to talk and they would just go ahead and be like, oh, you don't talk with her like that. I'm like, listen, I am very, more than capable to figure out my conversation, to figure out my point where I can put it a stop. If I need your help, I'm definitely going to help you. That's why we have friends and good people around us. But if I don't help you, just be there as a support, but don't interrupt the conversation by putting your input, expecting they could hear you better. Because by doing that, you're helping them prove the point that they do not need to talk to you, they'll just talk to the guy. So 
For me, that really frustrates me. But yeah, the best way to be an ally is obviously point out that, hey, they're talking. And the best way to be an ally is um, to stand behind them. If they need anything, they'll be there. If they don't need anything, then zip it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we have any more questions or we wrap up? Uh, we can wrap up. Give me one minute Over there. Um, Leslie, could I, could I have the. Yeah, 
Um, I just want to say a huge thank you uh, to the host of the event, uh, Anna Monica, because you've done a really great job. Um, and also, I also want to thank you for giving us a way to say thank you. Um, because, yeah, you could have done it without your work, and yeah, you did, you did an amazing job as host. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for watching. Uh, we're going to end the live stream here. Oh, actually, no, sorry, there's just one more slide. There's one more slide. One more slide. Um, yeah, get in touch. Um, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram. Uh, you can check out our link tree to see some of the episodes that we've actually had with these guest speakers. Um, you can scan the QR code, it'll take you there as well. Uh, one final thing before we sort of end um, we are hoping, I haven't planned it out yet, but we'll figure out something um, to do another sort of Let's Empower event and do it as a series of networking events. So at this moment in time, it's looking like it's going to be October because that means I'll at least have loads of time to plan it. I won't have to worry, like we were talking about deadlines or my Facebook <laughs> deadline approaching, uh, so I'll be starting on that. But yeah, we will be doing another one for Black History Month, and we'll be talking about discussions around that. Um, yeah, keep an eye out. That's the way. Uh, either type that in, scan that, um, and yeah, we'll be in touch. But yeah, thank you very much. Thank you again to all of our speakers, thanks to the host, thanks to the audience. Um, like I said, if you're on campus, Eastern Gateway, 203A, come get some pizza. We're going to keep the discussions going. And yeah, thank you very much.